All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Do we ever have an amazing and exciting treat today? Two-time guest, Diego Perez, who is a meditator and New York Times bestselling author, is widely known on Instagram and various social media networks through his pen name, Young Pueblo. Online, he has an audience of over 2.2 million people, depending on when you're listening to this. I remember the first bio, it was like 1.1. So it's fascinating to see the, the growth. His writing focuses on the power of self-healing, creating healthy relationships, and the wisdom that comes when we truly work on knowing ourselves. His, two, his first two books, Inward and Clarity and Connection, were both instant bestsellers. Diego's third book, Lighter, will be coming out on October 4th, 2022. So we've got a few days to get your hands on that book. Diego, welcome back, brother. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Uh, I loved our first conversation, so I'm pretty pumped for this one. Me too. Right back at you. I mean, so I'm going to start the same way we started the first uh, conversation. And, and that's what the same question everyone gets on this show. And that's just, when we put all the bio and the titles and all that stuff aside, who are you? Uh, I'm a, I'm a meditator. <laughs> yeah, okay. that's, that's, that's the, uh, I think the only like pretty consistent part of my identity that's been, um, just central to everything. So, sure. you know, I, um, I get up, I meditate, I meditate before I go to sleep as well. I go to retreats the way I plan my year each year. I, um, you know, take time to be like, okay, I'm going to do my 45 day retreat between April and May. I'm going to make sure to do smaller retreats sort of divided up throughout the year. And then after that, I'll plan like, oh, if I'm going to launch a book, then I'll set aside which month it's going to be. And, you know, so basically my whole life is designed around, around when I go meditate. Yeah. I love it. What, I mean, what, I guess what characteristics then, you know, surface for you when it comes to, you know, define yourself as a meditator? Like what are, what are those, those, I guess the, yeah, those character traits and so forth that resonate most with you right now? Because who we are, I, I feel yeah. evolves over time. Totally, totally. Um, and I think the particular characteristics that I'm trying to develop um, is that consistency of awareness because I'm not, you know, so lately I've been really busy and um, like I haven't been, um, I, I didn't get to do as many courses as, as I wanted to this year. Um, but I'm trying to sort of loosen that tension of sort of like this false narrative of that I can only really do deep growth during the longer courses, but really that I can grow all the time and that I can, you know, live a life of Dhamma in the courses as well as outside of the courses and not trying to divide my life into two things, but, um, just erase that sort of fake boundary that I've created in my mind. Okay. I love it. Uh, I'm definitely, we're, we're going to definitely jump into that a little bit more later because I do, I, I, I do want to focus the conversation around um, just the idea that, and you're probably, you're at this and I feel like I'm at this in, in a certain capacity and I imagine many of the listeners, but because the, there's, our first conversation was very much focused around starting, let's just say, like finding those practices to help, mm, you know, break mm-hmm. the cycle and so forth. And, you know, there, we can all resonate with those those situations. And But then there's a whole other group, and I, I would put myself in this camp as well, that have started things, have mm-hmm. boosted our self-awareness, 
and then we're 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 in this this unknown ground of like okay well do what do i do next or like what's you know what's okay to just sit with for example in terms of what's surfacing so i'm i'm just let's just i mean i might as well fall i brought it up i might as well stick with that uh theme but like i guess do you do you, do you ever step back and just audit your practices outside of just meditation and just you know take a look oh, at yeah. okay well like what like what do i need more of or less of for example like how does that show up for you Definitely. I try not to do that too often because then it can get like really nitpicky and just kind of fall into an extreme of like, I don't know, like over like micromanaging my life in a yeah. certain way. Um, I'm more of the type that um, I like to pick like one or two big things to work on at once and then I'll just work on that for a whole year. Um, okay. So I think last year and this year, the two big things have been like optimizing my health and okay. I often will you know, not often, but like I said, but I, I will take a step back and kind of audit like what my habits are, how I feel when I do certain things. Like, am I using my phone too much? Am I, um, you know, how am I eating when I'm traveling? Like, cause yeah. I, I feel like I've been able to lock down, um, a good system for when I'm in my house, but like when I'm out yeah. on the road, that's like the biggest challenge is like, you know, do I take the easy way out or do I continue trying to like, just keep that same rhythm that I have at home while I'm on the road as well? And, um, I think that's been sort of my, my main thing is like just keeping that level of strong determination going in a way where I am trying to challenge myself, but I'm not trying to like push myself overboard at the same time. Of course. So are practically speaking are like, what are some of the questions that are helping you? Like, are you, are you journaling on, you know, like where you're at or if you've got something coming up in terms of, you know, a heavy travel schedule, like how are you checking in? to, you know, to, to tap into like, okay, something needs to adjust right now. Yeah. It's more so, um, I, I don't journal, but I do, um, take moments throughout the day to check in with how I feel and try to see the cause and effect of how I feel. Like, you know, is it, which is journaling just for everyone (laughs) listening again, journaling for me is just reflection. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it doesn't have to be pen to paper, notebook or apps or whatever, but it's just, and I mean, it's, that's what you're doing. Sorry. Can, I, I had to. <laughs> totally. Totally. No, that's fine. I, I love that perspective on journaling too, because it's, it's true. It's just a moment of self-awareness and yeah. I like to see, you know, if I feel a certain way, what I did to get there. And mm. I feel like, I mean, we were just talking before we turned on the record button, but I was telling you about how I've been playing around with intermittent fasting and how much yeah. that's just made my mind feel so much clearer and lighter and actually um, just like giving myself time to just let my um, my stomach not be so full, you know, yeah. to just like let myself just just be and move. And, you know, if, if I feel like a tiny bit of hunger, it's fine. Um, sure. But then, and I make, make sure to nourish myself really well when I, you know, when it's time to eat, but it's... Uh, sort of tightening that window of when I actually eat, I've realized has been fantastic for my writing, for meditating, for being able to just be more present with the people around me. And, but I came to realize that, and I came to wanting to even do this experiment um, when I realized that like, you know, even when I was kind of tightening up how I was eating and making sure I was giving myself nourishing food, I just, I still felt like I could feel better. Like I was still okay. felt a little weighed down. Yeah. Okay. 
And I mean, I'm glad you brought up the point around when you break your fast about nourishing y- y- your body and your, your, your mind and whatnot with a good break in the fast, like healthy nutrition. I feel like that's, of course, yeah. that's something that is probably from a mainstream perspective gets lost in translation. It's like all of a sudden you break a 12 or 16 hour fast or 14 hours, probably mo- the, the most average I, I'd imagine. And you know, you you break it with garbage food. It kind of oh, defeats no, the point. No, it defeats right? the purpose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, how was it for you getting started, though? Like, how, how long did it take until you felt like you didn't have kind of those normal hunger, you know, growling of the stomach type thing? And then once you started to actually feel like benefits with your mind, I felt the benefits pretty quickly. On honestly, I felt like the you know the first day was difficult, um, but. After that, it was like, oh, you're you're totally fine, dude. Like nothing's gonna happen to you because it it does feel like uh, hunger just kind of pulls you back into survival mode, and yeah. all of a sudden, like the cravings, and it's like, oh, what's going on? And you feel like you're back in the jungle or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm actually, gonna die any second. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna die, but it, but the fridge is right there. Like you're fine. Yeah. You know, you're totally fine. And um, once I realized that, I I was like this is fine. And also like when, you know, when you go to long meditation courses or silent 10 day courses, um, you don't eat as much, you know? So I I do have that, that, um, experience of just not eating as much and, and, and it being totally fine. Yeah. Amazing. So with that routine then, so are you doing, is that when you're, when you're doing your writing primarily in, in the morning and so forth? Like what's, what's the, what's the routine look like these days? Yeah, so I'll um, I often write uh, whenever I feel it. So it was okay. funny. Like I, I had this one this one uh, week where I was like, okay, I'm gonna like I can feel the creativity bubbling up. And when when I, I ended up writing every day like around seven p.m., which was an odd oh, wow. time. Yeah, it was an odd time to start writing. But after I finished the day and after I like finished, you know, all the other work that I was doing. And kind of like when we were, my wife and I would be like wrapping up cooking for the day, um, I would kind of feel it and just take like 30 minutes to just jot down whatever was on my mind. And, um, and it was great, you know, but I, I've learned over the years to just not force myself. And I know people have very different ways of writing, but I found it works best for me to just ride the waves as opposed, as opposed to forcing a wave to happen. Because then the yeah. stuff just—it's just not that good. Totally, I love yeah. that. How I'm—I'm I'm just curious, Diego. Like, how has life changed for you since releasing your books? Because I mean, it's just—I know, I know, obviously, of your your personal story and and so forth. And then you know, as what you did to come out of uh, of. Um, a lifestyle that wasn't serving you, let's just say. And then and then eventually you release two books. Now we've got the third. It's it, it must be just a completely different life from <laughs> you know, I don't know what, 10 years ago or when was the first book released? It hasn't first been one that, was, much, that long. Yeah, it hasn't been that long. The first one was uh I think December 2017 when I self-published it. And okay. then it was re-released September 2018. Um got you. But yeah, I mean, to be really, really honest, I would say about like 80% of the time life is just like how it was before. Like it's, it's not, it's not that different because I don't, um, 
like for a few reasons. Like I write under the name Young Pueblo, so Young Pueblo gets a lot of the fame. And Diego yeah. Perez sort of sits quietly in the background, <laughs> which um, was like a like a beautiful, like serendipitous um, accident that I'm yeah, really well happy done. about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I don't, um, like I, I do podcasts and I'll do interviews sometimes on TV and whatnot, but I'm not constantly posting pictures of my face, right? So yeah. you don't, you know, you rarely see my face. So, you know, sometimes I'll get recognized, but it's pretty rare. Um, sure. And in terms of like my family life and life with friends, like, you know, the the friends who've known me the longest, like they don't really, they don't really care for my advice. Like they don't, they, they're not, they're not like asking me more so than like my friend Lennon or my friend Josh. Like you know, everyone's advice is important in like sure. friend circles. So it's not like they look up to me in certain ways. Like my friends are super excited for the success that I've had, but um, but they don't really treat me different. You know, they're still making fun of me. Um, yeah. like you know, like how it is, like it's the regular banter. <laughs> um, and the same thing with the home life, but, but when it does get different is when I do an event, um, when I do an event and I go out, um, then, you know, when people come together who've been really highly impacted by, um, the things that I've written, then you see, you're like, whoa, like I've, I've, I've actually written things that are useful and people have receive these things at critical moments in their life, like either when they've been going through a divorce or when mm -hmm. they've experienced some sort of loss or heartbreak or during major transitions in their life um, or when they're like overcoming, you know, drug habits or whatever, you know, people go through such serious things and then they quickly tell you their story. And it's like, wow, like that is huge. Yeah. Like I'm, it's an honor for me to have been able to serve you in this manner without even knowing, you know, like I just yeah. wrote this and it somehow got into your hands. Um, so in some ways, you know, things have changed, but in other ways, I'm grateful that things haven't really changed that, you know, like I can still go to the supermarket and I can still do whatever. It's not like I'm a celebrity in Hollywood or anything like that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I, you're very humble about that, obviously, but I, I, cause I can even just notice it in my own network, like some of my closest, uh, either friends or people I respect most, it, it, I've almost become sensitized to the fact that almost on a daily occurrence, I'm seeing your work being shared across multiple uh, kind of cross connections. I mean, we're obviously working in a very similar world, so I'm yeah. probably not surprised about that. But still, I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, sharing your work. So I, I'm curious, has that, I imagine it affects the opportunities that come in for you, whether, and, and, and I guess my question is, how do you balance saying yes, no. And like, I guess that's kind of where I was trying to get at, like pre yeah, all yeah. of that work. Cause James Clear mentioned this to me went before, right before Atomic Habits took off. He said something to the effect of, he's like, the opportunities that are coming in right now are ones that I would have dreamed of that, you know, could have taken 12 months or something like that. And now they're coming in like almost on a weekly basis. And that's mentally challenging to you know he doesn't want to be he doesn't want to sound like a dick but he can't say yes to everything yeah right yeah so i'm curious if you're experiencing any of that as well and how you how you manage it yeah i think um it's funny because when i when i look back to like when i was writing in 2016 2015 you know before i even released inward like my email was empty nobody was hitting me up. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was nothing going on there. Like it wasn't even worth checking. Um, and now, yeah, it has gone really wild. It's, um, 
I get a lot of opportunities that I think are rather unimaginable. I think the most the most recent opportunity that I've really been pouring a lot of time into is um, a friend of mine from Silicon Valley, Soren Gordhammer, who's the mm. creator of Wisdom 2.0. He was coming up with this idea for Wisdom Ventures, this venture capital fund that's you know actively trying to scale compassion and well-being through companies that are you know building amazing products. Yeah. Um, and I was asked to be a co-founder and general partner. And I, you know, I'm, I'm 34 years old, like I'm, I'm still relatively young. And I was like, I can't even believe that I can just kind of, you know, sort of do this lateral shift into this whole other world. And now I'm learning so much from it. And to me, you know, I said yes to an opportunity like this because I normally say no, like it's sure. 95% of the time it's a no thank you. Um, just because like, I, like you said, I'm only one person and and I've set the situation up at home. You know, it's just me and my wife. Like that's that's our team, and yeah. we only do what we can do. Like we don't try to overextend ourselves. Um, but something like Wisdom Ventures was just like you know, it just kind of fell into my lap, and I couldn't even believe that I even get the opportunity to like you know work with my friend Bradley, who he was the person who led the team that developed Gmail. Like this, okay. you know, like, yeah. like Gmail, the thing that we all use, you know, yeah. and, and just people like that who, who are critical to the building of the internet. And then they, they want to continue building it, but in a different way, in a way that, that can actually scale compassion where products are built with the well being of the user in mind. Um, and working with, yeah, working with people and, you know, like Jack Cornfield is also part of the team. And it's, yeah. <laughs> it's insane, you know, it's like, yeah. and we're all working as peers and that really does blow my mind, um, to be able to, I guess, have access to people like that. But, um, but yeah, I just, all I can say is it's, it's gratitude. Yeah. Well, I was good. So that was going to be my follow up actually with what, what do your gratitude practices look like? I mean, you're a very humble person. I think uh, I know that and everyone can tell, imagine listening, but uh, you know, how do you give yourself some self-love? for the, for these things? Um, I think I'm, I'm, um, you know, to be really honest, I feel like I sort of struggle with, like, I'm very kind to myself and I'm very gentle with myself on the day-to-day basis, but, um, I don't quite know how to like fully take in everything that's happened recently. Like, um, you know, even with like how many followers, like it's 2.3 million followers, I don't know how I don't I don't I don't know how to even imagine that like yeah, that a lot you know of <laughs> it's a lot of people it's a lot like I grew up in Boston which is a city of six hundred thousand people like you're telling me multiple <laughs> Boston's like you know like yeah. worth of people um, so I think it's something that um, like that I can actually work on in terms of like I feel deeply grateful that all this. Um, bountifulness and, you know, abundance have, has come into my life through selling books because like I grew up super poor and to not be yeah. poor anymore, like I'm incredibly grateful because now I can, yeah. you know, be a good husband. I can be a good son and help my parents. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think I've ever really like yet have fully taken in the magnitude of, of what, um, I've gotten done so far. So I could work on that. Yeah. Well, what would you like? I mean, I, I won't, I, I won't stay, stay too long on the point, but I just, I think, many of us uh, fall under the, in this camp, right? Where, cause yeah. I mean, the default is, is, uh, is to look at the, you know, the things that didn't go well or where you could have done better and so forth. I feel like we're just wired in, in that way. So 
if you uh, would be kind to kind of entertain the thread a little bit, I think it could be helpful for for all of us. Just, just sure. kind of on the spot, like what would you like to try, or is there anything in particular you've been thinking about to to try to up, you know, some of those gratitude practices? Yeah, I think if um, you know, that, and I guess the sort of the tension there that I need to figure out how to release is that I want to be really careful with my ego. So like one thing yeah. is I know it's really valuable to be grateful, but I don't know if I should like constantly be patting myself on the back, you know, cause yes. I don't want to fall into the spiral of like, Oh, you're so great. You're so special because like, you know, I've met it. Like I know through meditating that, that I'm not like fundamentally real. Like it's not, yeah. you know, <laughs> like i'm i'm temporarily here like you know like i'm you know mark and diego are definitely having a conversation right now but at the ultimate level i'm just like you know changing mental and physical phenomena um but at the same time i think um it could be something that i could just slow down a little more and just allow myself to smile and enjoy the fact that um you know, that I, I came from nothing, dude. Like I really came from nothing. And, um, and like I was poor and my parents came from even more poverty. So to be able to be in this space now and to, you know, have access to all these really great people and to be able to support people in this, like, you know, have a platform that actually creates things that are useful to people as they're going through serious times. Like I I couldn't ask for more. And Yeah. yeah. Hello, friends. Given you're here, I'm making the assumption that you're motivated to be mentally fit. So with that in mind, I want to let you know about the Better Questions newsletter, which publishes once or twice a month, providing all of us the opportunity to slow down, think, and ask better questions. As you know, quality questions are my thing. And this is an opportunity to share the prompts I've studied and curated to help our minds be healthier, clearer, more intentional, and expand our mental capacity. You can sign up over at behindthehuman.com slash newsletter, which will also give you a preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. That's behindthehuman.com slash newsletter. Now back to the show. Well, I mean, I'm going to pat you on the back. And I, I know, you know, there's a lot written about ego in, in the latest book and all of your books, frankly, and in, in your work. So, I mean, I, I feel like you're, you're quite well tuned into the concept, let's just say. Yeah. Um, I'd love to know, Diego, from the perspective of writing lighter, like when, when, did, the, when did the book come to you or how did it come to you? Uh, the book came to me, I think, really early on. Like when I was putting together Inward, I realized that in the process of it, like Inward has some really lean essays, um, like really lean. But I knew that at some point I wanted to write a book of essays that was just like what I thought um, about different thought topics, like wh- how I was reflecting on, you know, on love, on emotional maturity, on um, how to like communicate well on relationships, just go through the whole spectrum of different um, things that you come across when you're growing. Sure. And it wasn't until like I spoke to my, uh, my now editor from Penguin, um, Matthew Benjamin, who he sort of came to me with this idea and, and, you know, and he wanted to write a nonfiction. He wanted me to write a nonfiction book. Um, and when we started talking, I, 
you know, told them like, this is, you know, I, when I would have events back then, I would talk about personal transformation, the different aspects of personal transformation. And I would always end it with connecting it to global transformation. And he starts laughing and he's just like, dude, that's a book right there. That's, yeah. you know, that's, <laughs> and I was like, oh, right, right. And I, I, and then when I told him about how I initially wanted to make it into a book of essays, he was like, oh, it does, you know, those could just be chapters. They, <laughs> and just the little reframe, right? The tiniest reframe. And I was like, duh, like, of course, because I had always wanted to do this. Like I wanted to have one book that just had everything in it. And, yeah. and, um, yeah, he, he made me, you know, see that like I had it all along and it was just a matter of writing it down. Well, it's, I mean, it's a beautiful book. It's just, and the, the ti- just the title alone. I mean, you you read the title lighter. You look at the book cover, and I mean, you don't even have to open it up, and you already feel lighter, which is a, you know, a great <laughs> side effect of of whether this was a branding decision or the title just kind of you know naturally fit for you, or you've been thinking about it. But either way, um, it's it's brilliant, and it's 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 helpful in in all senses of, of the word. Um, of the word. How did you like in terms of the writing process for you and, and the, the first two books in this one, like, was it easier, harder? Did you have to shift up the way that you were uh, writing? Like what, what was the what flow for you? It was hard, man. It was hard. It was, um, it was hard because I knew that I wanted to be able to execute this at a very high level. Like I really wanted to just write something that I could just stand on for decades um, mm, and no pressure at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I do like hold myself to, um, you know, to that, to that's to a high standard. And that's how I felt a lot when I was writing clarity and connection. Like even when I open clarity and connection now, um, I'm really glad the way it flows, the way it came out, the topics that I chose to write about the pieces that I decided to not let into clarity and connection. Um, so I wanted something similar for lighter, yeah. but it was, but it's much harder because clarity and connection is like 19,000 words, you know, it's a poetry and prose book and lighter is like 60 something thousand words. It's a much, yeah. much different animal. Um, and the writing, the whole writing process itself changed because I would have to like spend time just sitting down. I, I would spend, you know, a whole week just writing, writing, writing thousands and thousands of words. And then, um, and d- depending, so I think I wrote it over maybe like a six, eight, eight month period probably. And then okay. I would have some months when I would write a ton and then go over different chapters, clean them up, um, hear back from my editor. Cause he was constantly pushing me and was like, you got to share more of your story. You got to share more of your story. Like I need, I need more, more, you know? Yeah. Um, cause like the other material, like I had that sort of down pat, like, you know, talking about letting go, like I, I already had my rhythm down for that. Um, but actually including myself in the book and no longer hiding in the shadows behind this name. Um, that was, that was quite a challenge. That's a big, I mean, you're bringing up m- memories from, from my experience. I, I, I I rem- there were so many of these with with writing personal Socrates that my editor would come back and she she'd be like you know chapter X was 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 really good uh, and the examples were were I think super helpful but I want to hear more of Mark in that <laughs> it's always coming back up like oh shit okay I guess I have to go here <laughs> but I think she left me with something that uh, 
will never leave me. And, and she just said, I mean, the more the more vulnerable you are with with yourself and your story and what you're putting on the page, the more inviting uh, you are of the vulnerability for the reader on the other side. And I don't know, for me, something flipped there because I said, well, okay, then, you know, for writing this stuff to have impact, obviously, and help people, then that's how we can do it, right? It may be a bit painful, yeah, it, but yeah. You know, what actually inspired me a lot and helped me get out of that tightness that I was feeling about my own story was... Um, I reread the introduction to James Clear's um, Atomic Habits, okay. and I realized how much he had poured of, poured of himself in that um, introduction. And I also saw that there was a structure there. There was a structure that one can um, sort of build off of. And there was, you know, it was the, the drama, the victory, and yeah. why this book. And so I was like, oh, I see it. Like, I see it. Now I just need to tell my story in this structure. And, um, and I, you know, totally was inspired by the way he like sort of set up his introduction and, and did something similar. And, and that's when I really started pushing myself and was like, oh, actually the, the, the dramatic parts of my own story, they're like a, a gateway that sort of your attention can walk through and say, oh, this is actually worth spending time on. And then you give them what they really came for, which is like the the deeper aspects when you want to talk about all these um, sort of critical topics in one's life. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty grateful to James Clear if he's out there listening because he he did that structure super well. And yeah. I, think, I, I think it's something that I think a lot of great books hold, you know, it's like, especially nonfiction fiction books, Drama, victory, how you overcame that drama, and then why this book? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, shout out to James because I mean he, I mean he's he's has obviously a chapter in in mine as well, but also spent some time after our interview, giving some really great writing advice for me for a first time writer. So, uh, some big high fives to Mister James Clear. I do want to pull a quote from from the book, and for for listeners that have a copy, we're around page two hundred eight. Um, and I think this relates to what we're talking about with process and just, you know, getting the book out there and your editor pushing you and so forth. And you, you, you said this, some of the best insights emerge when the mind does not feel rushed and can patiently consider a topic. And my, and my question is like, how do we do this when the world always feels rushed? It's like the complete opposite of, of that quote. And I understand it. And, and, and I think yeah. we can all relate. It's like you get the ideas in the shower, you get the ideas when mm-hmm. you're taking a run or something. But I guess practically speaking, how do we slow down the world? You have to close out the world. Like you have to ex- exit from it. Um, so uh, like when I was going into serious writing mode, um, there were times when my wife would have to like tell me like enough because I would... I would just start writing and I don't know why it was the nighttime, but I I would start writing, you know, maybe at like four and sometimes I would go until like two in the morning because I was just flowing, you know, just really. And she was like, all right, cut it. Like, you know, we got to go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And it, um, but in those moments when I was really in it, really focused, like I had to put my phone away or, you know, the only thing that was coming from my phone was like, some background music that would just help kind of like blur out other parts of my mind. So I could really focus on what I was creating. And, um, but I would, you know, like the TV would be off. 
I wouldn't try to like, you know, it's basically putting my whole house on airplane mode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that might be the title of the episode. Putting yeah. your house on airplane mode. Yeah, because, you know, to be able to really get the best from yourself, like, you can't be constantly interrupted. Um, yeah. So I would just, you know, find my little nook in the house and and not want to hear anything from anyone until it was, yeah, until I was done. How... How impactful or how influential is your your partner and your wife in in your process of of writing and your work and so forth? And and the reason I ask this is, be, you know what? I'll just stop there because I, I do have another question there that I think uh, many of us can benefit from. Sure. Um, I mean, she's critical. She's like the so my my wife meditates as much as I do. Um, so I okay. really trust her wisdom. Like I have a lot of respect for the wisdom that she has accumulated. Um, so in terms of like when I'm writing something, she's the one who gets the first look at everything. She's she's like the primary editor, and she's also the one who's questioning my logic. And she's like, "Does this really make sense?" Like you know, and mm-hmm. and from our own, and she'll you know relay whatever I'm writing back to our own life and our experiences with you know with other friends and family or whatnot to make sure that this is reasonable, like what I'm actually putting out there and that it's reasonable and also said in a way that's gentle because like some truths, sure. like if, if you don't deliver them in a compassionate manner, then you're just going to lose people. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's in a lot of ways, I feel like she's the, yeah, she's the, she's the one who everything is sort of filtered through. And if, when she says, okay, then it's okay. Then it's like okay. good to go. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you, how do you process and implement the feedback? Um, you know, it's, it's not too complicated. It's more so, um, like in the beginning, I think her feedback, cause you know, I, I would spend time creating something and it would feel like I'm putting together a puzzle. Um, sure. And, and I would feel like, oh, it's, it's done, you know, it's, it's complete. And then it goes to her and she sees that, oh, actually I missed two pieces and, uh, and I need to add it into the puzzle. And at first I would like, you know, kind of like push back a little bit, but I realized like, you know, she's totally right. And I need to just listen. And, um, and it's, it's great. I think she's, and she's, she's one who like, like, she's not interested in writing any books herself. Like she doesn't, writing isn't her favorite thing, but She's very wise. So what what uh, yeah. what she says really goes a long way for me. I mean, I I, I selfishly ask the questions because I I work quite closely with with my wife as well, and uh, she's the first one that reads any newsletters mm-hmm. that go out and so forth. And I remember at the beginning, just almost feeling I don't know, offended is too harsh of a word or too strong of a word, but I, I, I'll, I'll stick with it, but just almost like a bit offended. And then I, when I would step back and be like, well, wait a second, this actually does really make <laughs> sense. And like, I, I don't know, it's just because like we're married and, and whatnot, that, that that's the case. But uh, it's helpful to hear your perspective as well. And and I think if, if you're lucky enough to, to, to obviously find a partner that is you know really aligned, um, and that you can trust those opinions. I mean, they're just, they're invaluable, right? I'm glad you used the word offended because I think that's how I felt initially okay. too. And not like in a, like in too dramatic a way, but I was like, really? Like, yeah, I was exactly. like, you, you're not reading what I'm reading? And she's like, <laughs> she's like, no, actually you need to read it again. And you like missed a critical point. I was like, oh yeah, you're right. 
Yeah, right. And I was like, <laughs> okay. you know, it's just, it's just constant. Like she's helping me with humility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the question I, I, that I wanted to continue on earlier was, was, was this, because I know you guys met in college or I mm-hmm. believe you did, right? Yep. Which you were a very different person. Totally uh, different, dude. In college, right? And again, I mean, I, for, for, I'm bringing a lot of personal examples on my side too, but just going through all the app experience on this side and whatnot, like my wife and I, we often reflect, we're like, we're completely different people from five years ago. And we're like, we're so grateful we actually evolved in a similar way and are together because it could be a completely different story. So I, my question is, like, what did that path look like for you guys? Because you're a different person and I imagine she's a different person as well. It sounds like you've gone down a similar journey, at least in the practices. But for people that are out there that are going through this, is there anything that you can, any advice you can provide to, to navigate that? Because it's, those, are, those are big life decisions and situations. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we got together when she was uh, 18 and I was 19. And there were a lot of struggles, um, yeah. especially for the first six years. We were kind of like moving in and out of a hurricane um, mm-hmm. because we just had like no emotional maturity. Like everything was, we were just constantly blaming each other for how yeah. we felt. Um, when the reality was that, you know, we just didn't know how to process our own emotions. We didn't know how to stop projecting and, yeah. <laughs> and, um, just like totally, to, you know, totally had lacked any self-awareness. Um, and it was tough because there was a very clear connection. Like we loved being around each other. But whenever our emotions would get heightened, we had no process to be able to handle it, no process to be able to, be able to communicate well. Um, and it wasn't until we started meditating that it really just, you know, not only helped us peel back the layers of our own healing so that we were able to relieve ourselves of that sort of dense energy that we were carrying from the past to the present, but um, we were able to like, I don't know. It almost feels like we were like reborn in some way. Like it was like a new life. And I think we were lucky. Like you said something earlier, like we were lucky that we were able to grow in ways that, um, just aligns. Like we were like moving together in this growth and it wasn't anything that was forced. Like we weren't like forcing ourselves to, to be a certain way, but it just sort of naturally we were evolving in a similar direction. Um, and I think part of that is cause we like, we do the same meditation style and we're like adding in things to our lives that, um, that are just helping us like evolve in a particular direction where we like, you know, we're both really inspired by the Buddhist teaching. Like we both, um, really enjoy not drinking and smoking anymore. And, sure. we, you know, we enjoy just, um, living a, a more quiet life. Um, like yeah. we don't need to be going to parties and stuff like that or, um, in, and it's, it's fit, but, um, but what something that was quite challenging is that we were working on different things and we were growing at different speeds. Like okay. I remember she was like ready to give up marijuana, like before I was. And that was like a, you know, a challenge for a while until I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm done with it too. You know, I gave myself some extra time with it. And then I was like, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm I, I know how this feels. And, um, it's holding, holding me back a bit. 
Um, and it was tough. And I think the, the main advice that I would give to people is like, if you really feel that the connection is there, not only do you have to make sure that you're in a relationship where, you know, it's, there is some health to it. Like you're not like in an abusive relationship or anything like that. But, um, but that, you know, once you feel like that baseline is there, you got to give each other patience, right? You got to let each other bloom at your, at at your own rates because you're just not going to grow at the same speed, even if you have similar goals. And, um, I remember when, when my wife was ready to give up, um, weed and I was moving more slowly with it, like when she modeled that patience for me and wasn't like nitpicking, was like, you know, like you should stop too, blah, blah, blah. Like she just, she let me do my own thing. Um, and the mixture of her letting me do my own thing and then me accepting where I was. And I was like, this is just, you know, this is where I'm at right now and I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to hate myself for it. I know yeah. I want to give this. It wasn't even causing like a lot of damage in my life or anything like that. I was just, I knew that I was done with it. Um, and then the mixture of yeah, her patience and my acceptance, something inside me just clicked. And like two weeks later, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm done with this. Um, okay. But I think that's that's key is like, you know, not only should you have your own practices to help you grow and your own systems to help you grow, but you got to let each other bloom at your own personal rate. Those, I mean, those are beautiful reflections. And, and, and I asked the question, because I, I imagine you get this as well, but when, whenever you're working in a space like this where you're providing people with some pretty powerful reflective prompts, you know, you're getting people to pause and think and, and sometimes think about questions and, and big areas in their lives that they haven't thought about. And then all of a sudden, they get the clarity, but their partner maybe aren't on that same track, right? Or there needs to be conversations had and so forth. Um, and I've seen the tension come up in, in those situations. So I, I love your your just the advice around modeling the patience and acceptance and just, you know, kind of, I guess, accepting that we're, we're all blooming at different rates and so forth and, and kind of just trusting that process. Again, with the caveat that, you know, you have a, a healthy relationship, right. um, um, but these are these are big questions, right? Big questions, and I think we need to be kind ourselves and our partners. It is, and, and you know, it's it's also difficult because I know a lot of people have gone through a lot of abuse and a lot of trauma. But the other end of it is sort of like humans are incredibly imperfect, so it's so easy to hurt someone else unintentionally. And, you know, you don't even want to hurt the person. And then you're like, you know, you end up saying something or whatnot that, um, you know, causes some hurt. But the reality is that a lot of relationships, like they don't start off with both people being like really emotionally mature. And there was some yeah. relationships don't start off as being like a hundred percent healthy. You know, they start off like, you know, like, can we figure this out? Like what's, you know, what's yeah. going to be our rhythm? And, and I, that's why I try to write a lot about, um, both people embracing growth, like that being like a baseline of like, okay, like we can actually build here if the both of us are willing to continue evolving, if we're not okay. just trying to, you know, stay where we are um, and, you know, say to ourselves, oh, like the, these are the habits that I have and that's how I'm always going to be, um, then it's going to be really hard to work with that. But if you're yeah. both open to, just evolving to seeing within yourself what you can let go of to continuing 
engaging with your own emotional history so that you don't keep trying to have your partner solve your emotional situations. Um, because ultimately it's going to be you processing that within yourself. Like that's where your sort of greatest opportunity from ha- for happiness is going to come from. And then you, the joy that you get from your partner is just going to be able to add from that, add to that. Well said. I mean, one of the ways people can work on this is to read the book together, that's for sure, and process some of the chapters because they're, I mean, any, any of your work, I mean, there, it's really, it's, it's nearly impossible to come out the other side without some really great questions and some, some nice reflections. And at the very least, you know, you take your mind to the spa, essentially, and you give yourself a break, a bit of a pause for the most part. And, and um, I, I was going to say feel lighter, which I, again, I love the title of the book. So I will link to everything in the show notes. Obviously, Diego, I could speak to you for hours. Uh, I feel like we're kind of just getting going, but I want to respect your time, of course. Final question for you, just the, the lighter is full of, of beautiful reflective prompts at the end of each chapter. I just uh, Is there any right now for you personally, whether it's in the book or outside of the book, that are some questions that have been really helpful for you to slow down and, and reflect on, whether on a consistent basis or just to make some, some big life decisions? Yeah. Um, I mean, the one we were talking about earlier is something that I'm going to keep thinking about for a while. Just um, how can I better practice gratitude um, yeah. for, for what I've accomplished specifically? Because it's easy for me to be grateful for my wife, for my parents, you know, yeah. for the things around me. But how can I um, be grateful without falling into being prideful? Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. And other, other than that, I think something that I'm often asking myself is like, where can I slow down? Like, where can I? Because as we mentioned this earlier before, like, everything is constantly moving so fast. We're constantly getting inundated with information and that information that we're processing is burning tons of energy. So I'm always sort of checking checking in with myself, like where can I move a little more slowly so that I don't burn out in any way. It's a great, great reminder. Well, thank you again. Thank you for coming on the show for a second time. Please know that this this show is always open and available for any time you want to come chat. It's just so valuable. And a higher thank you, thank you, Diego, for just showing up as you, staying true to you know what what lights you up and what fuels you and your work and your writing because ultimately that's affecting millions of people around the world, and that you know that deserves a huge huge pat on the back and a big hug and keep doing what you're doing. Thanks so much, Mark. Um, I'm excited for our future conversations too. I feel like, uh, yeah, we could keep going for a while, but this has been wonderful. Really grateful for you. 